Hi, this is Tom Chapman. Welcome to my virtual barbershop. In 2014, I lost a friend to suicide and I didn't even know he was suffering. This opened my eyes to mental health and the impact that it can have. It was a devastating time and I asked myself many, many questions. Why, mostly, but also what if? What if I'd realised he was struggling and asked him? Then, what if he'd said, yes, I am struggling and I'm suicidal? Would I have known what to do? No, is the honest answer, I wouldn't. But this led me to founding the charity, the Lions Barber Collective a charity to raise awareness for mental health and suicide prevention and also train hair professionals to have the confidence and know how to recognise the signs someone is struggling, ask great and direct questions, listen with empathy and without judgement and finally give them the knowledge to help them find the help they need. This award-winning endorsed training is called Barber Talk and this is why I've decided to let you listen in on the conversations I have in my chair with my clients and this podcast is the same name, Barber Talk, Tales from the Chair. This podcast will hopefully showcase that the barber or hairdresser's chair is a powerful place to have these conversations, something most of you will be able to relate to, I'm sure. We've got some great clients coming in today, but without further ado, I need to get ready for my next client and that hair does not sweep itself. Cheers mate, see you in a couple of weeks. Right, Rick, um, who's next then? Who should I stop? I got in next. Well, now this one's an interesting one. You're a big bloke, Tom, aren't you? I am quite big, yes. Yeah, well, that's that's nothing, nothing compared with the next bloke. We're going to need a bigger chair, as (laughs) someone might say, uh, because uh, here's EC3. Oh, amazing. Fantastic professional wrestler. Brilliant. Uh, one of my favourites. I have uh, cut his hair once before in a, in a hotel room, believe it or not. To be honest, if he asked me to do anything, I'd do it because I'd be too scared to say no. Here he is. <laughs> Hi, EC3. Nice to see you. Do you want to come over and take a seat in the barber chair? Oh, I, I've, been, I've been waiting for this haircut for... <laughs> how long has it been since you cut my hair? Oh, Three man, years? it's been a long time. It's been a long yeah. time. <laughs> I, I didn't know it took me... Hold on. I'm, I'm getting there. I didn't know it would take me to go all the way to the UK to find the barber I perfectly match with who could cut my hair so perfectly in my hotel room. Now I'm in your shop. <laughs> Ironically enough, during a pandemic when I can't internationally travel, but I'm in your shop. Yeah, the hair's changed a lot, so uh, let's do this. Fantastic. It's great to have you. And do you know what? That's the, that's the thing I was going to say to you. Last time I cut your hair, it was a very different time and place, wasn't it? We were we were in a hotel room, like you say, and I, I, I came, you know, well, it's due to uh, Eddie Edwards said that I was cool. Yeah. I, I approached you, didn't I, on Twitter, and he said it was cool. Um, so I came to your hotel room, cut your hair. I walked you in, how- you were watching the Hardys doc on the, the, yeah. on the network. And I just knew this guy's cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy this. I had to, uh, you have to study the competition, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's nothing cool about Matt Hardy. Jeff, Jeff's cool as hell, Matt Hardy. No. I'm kidding. Matt Hardy's a great friend of mine. But, yeah, uh, it's not every day I just let a random stranger cut my hair in a hotel room, but the Eddie Edwards endorsement helped. But the fact that vetting you, I was like, oh, this guy's, he's a, a normal human, first off. He's an inspiring <laughs> person. He has a great message. And he's a hell of a barber. So, uh yeah, and actually, while we're at it, uh, my last haircut, like, because uh, I have this facial hair now, I was in the middle of getting my, my goatee trimmed, and uh, I never had facial hair before in my life, so I've never touched it personally, like, since I've had it since last March, I've never even, like, like touched it, because I'm worried that the second I mess it up, I'm going to have to shave it off, and I have to go through the process again, and it was so weird and awkward <laughs> stages for me to go through, but my other uh 
Florida barber, Kevin at Legendary Barbershop in Winter Garden, Florida, was doing the goatee, and I sneezed. Oh. And I felt the, <clears throat> and I was like, oh, shit. And I said, I don't know what I could say on this, but you can bleep it out. I'm like, did I just fuck up? He's like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh, so he, he thinned it out decently, like it's still manageable, and then it should be fine in a week. But yeah, my, my mustache almost went away for a second. Oh, I was man. really scared. But it's a good look, though. Stay away from the stash. Yeah, mustache. You've changed. You've changed it. You've changed your look quite a lot. I mean, from that first time when I saw you, I remember. I remember being the first time you came onto uh, on TNA, and you come in that line. Like, oh, hey there, Toots! When you got out of that Maserati yeah. and walked in, I was literally I was creasing up. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. I was hooked on EC3 from that moment. Obviously, being you know Derek Bateman back in NXT before that, but it, Brent, you've changed it. You've you've been on such a journey, haven't you? You know, um, and yeah, you know, when we were. When we were cut, when I was cutting your hair last time, I saw you in person. We when I was finished, we talked about mental health. We talked about the lions. And I just wanted to hear a little bit about your journey because you've been on such a journey. You got signed to WWE. You, you left. You went to TNA. You showed them what you were about. Created this amazing character that showed your mic skills. Great in the ring. Great body guy. Um, and then you went back. And then you went back to WWE. Yeah. And 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 you know. And some some reason, I I don't know. You weren't top of the card I feel you should have been but I just want to know how that kind of worked with you and your mental health and it was a, a damn draining experience on the mental health because uh, I don't know when you pursue your dream you want to live your dream and you think what your dream is and you realize your dream is kind of a nightmare um, it's hard to accept so for whatever happened uh, the mental health aspect was pretty tough I mean full disclosure what do I care I might as well just be open and honest and telling the truth NXT was cool. We had a good time, but I wasn't going to be there for long. It was kind of a segue to the main roster. When the main roster call-up came, it kind of came up sporadically. And uh, without purpose, uh, little did I know, I thought there would be a reason. And I thought I accomplished something I've always set my mind to. But at the same time, when I was called up, I had my second concussion in like two months. Or maybe it was three months. But I was called up with a concussion which baffled me because a they're very careful with taking care of people with that b i don't know when i'm going to be back but c we're also as men hardcore wired to be indestructible and tough and you know nothing's going to stop us and i'm like well if this is the time this is the time like i'm gonna do everything to get back and they do take great precautions against things there's a lot of tests to get back but i did rushed to pass these tests back before i don't know i was probably ready mentally or physically and uh getting called up with it thinking there's a purpose and then realizing there's not and maybe there's residual effects of having the concussion on your brain the mental health aspect definitely was a very dark time for me yeah, I mean, it seems weird. They seem to do this where they call people up and then there's nothing for them. And you think, well, what's the point in taking you out of that uh, that uh, that space? I mean, the NXT roster you were with at the time was pretty good. I mean, there was there was that, uh, that ladder match, which was ace as well. The, the first North American title match, I think that was, uh, that you were in that and that was really cool. Yeah. I think it, there was a great roster there. And I think, you know, it seems weird that they pull you up to the main roster and there isn't anything for you. And then you're almost sort of exiled from television for a while. I think you had that run with Dean Ambrose, didn't you, before he, before he yeah. left? Yeah, and like there's rumors of speculation that uh, because he couldn't be punished 
for his desire to leave and not resign that I took a brunt of it. I don't know what's true. I don't talk to anybody about it, but maybe it was just a weird spot. It was a tough spot. And uh, Dean Ambrose leaving the company and publicly telling him, I don't know, people love a guy that tells someone to fuck off. <laughs> and he basically told evil corporation, you know, I, I don't need you. Yeah. And uh, a guy who's been on TV in a main spot, who's busted his ass and broken his body for the fans and the fans respect him so much for, I don't know, it was five, six, seven years at that point. Like the fans are naturally going to react favorably to him. Cause like oh. that's, that's the reality. He's really ingrained in uh, their, their minds. And then there's this new doofy haircutted jacked <laughs> tan guy who doesn't do a bunch of cool moves and we're supposed to like him when obviously his best trait is to be an antagonist and not a protagonist yeah. and his best trait is to be able to speak yeah his ability to uh garner a reaction and he's not allowed to speak yeah. like there, i mean could i've done more yes was i allowed to do more no could i force my hand could i've done something look i'm fully accountable for my own actions and things of that nature there's always something you can do better. Mm. So I don't pass blame or something, but it happened. It sucked. Yeah. And it, you know, <laughs> it just hurt my brain through all of that. You had seemed to build a really good relationship with Drake, Maverick, Spud, whatever you want to call him. And also Braun as well. You seem to be quite close with those, those boys. Were they, did they help your mental health in that point? Were they sort of, you know, uh, I, you know, it's about letting people help you with mental health, really. So I didn't look for help as much as I wore it deeply, tragically on the inside and portrayed on the outside. Everything's fine. Yeah. And that's probably the worst thing you can do. So if I needed help, I mean, if I, I mean, there might have been a time or two because Drake was probably in a similar position, probably didn't wear it as much as me because he's able to, uh, I don't know. He's a happier person than me. So, <laughs> but uh, like maybe we had a couple instances of sort of in-depth conversations about it, but he never knew how I felt truly. And that's because it's on me for not talking to people about it. Yeah. But so you didn't, she didn't talk to anybody. You didn't seek any advice from anybody. You didn't seek any professional help or talk no. to anyone about it. You sort of dealt with it by not, yourself. Not yeah, For the most part. And then as it was, Going on, I was still on the road doing whatever preliminary matches, and there was another instance a few months down the road where another person concussed me. And uh, oh, this was I probably had a live event, but uh, I didn't know I was concussed. Yeah. Because I thought, you know, at that point, because I was just always so miserable. And the a lot of these symptoms of concussion are depression, anxiety, sadness things like that and i just i didn't feel any different i felt a little different but not so much but like weeks ago went by and i was still working on it i think we did uh the first fox smackdown in vegas and then raw was a couple days later close by so we stayed in vegas and i was out on the night with the boys and i was just like not having a good time and then uh, i went back to the hotel and drake was with me and i just slept under covers for like 24 to 36 hours. Like I just didn't move under the covers. And I went to TV uh, Monday the next day and I walked in and, you know, I'm usually spry and handsome and freshly tanned. <laughs> and I was just, I was ghost white and like 
dead behind the eyes. And I think a trainer saw me and asked me if I was okay. And I just, I was like, no. And they brought me in and they're like, what do you think? What's going on? And I was just kind of explained, well, a couple of weeks ago, I might've had this happen. And then I noticed this and this, and they gave me the test. I'm like, yeah, you're pretty off your baseline. So I went home and I was concussed. And usually in the past, the process that passing these tests and returning to your baseline normals and being cleared takes a few weeks, maybe a month. Like I just never could pass the test. So to the WWE's credit, they did send me to a uh, therapist for the concussion, which is kind of like the physical therapy aspect of working out of your equilibrium and things like that. But also there was a psychiatrist who deals with athletes and people that have had issues with the concussion. So that did help a lot. Uh, by the time I was cleared, there was a middle of a pandemic and then I was fired. So whatever. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But ironically enough, the happiest I ever was, the happiest I was, was in a long time was when I got that call because yeah. like the weight of the world was released for me and it just wasn't meant to be. And that's okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you, you proved to yourself once before that you went from, from NXT and made yourself into, made name TNA come back up again. And you, and you know, you've spoke about it a few times and you, and it's a massive part of your new sort of rebranding of control your narrative. And I think it's such a strong message. I mean, even since you've been putting it out there, I've used that phrase so many times with people Good. Uh, and it's just such a great, great thing. I think it's, we are, essentially responsible for our own control. We control our own actions, our own thoughts. So essentially we've got to, you know, we have got to do something about it ourselves. And you said that you need to be able to talk. If you can't talk or tell anyone, then how can anyone help you? But you know, you've taken everything into your own hands since you've come out. You've improved your physique as if it needed improving anyway. But you, you right. know, it's just, it's it just like, it looks incredible. I'm a, I'm a fucking mortal weapon right now. I'm <laughs> you look incredible, mate. You make me feel you make me feel sick every time I look on there. I need to be working harder. But you, I mean, I, I saw something you were talking about diet and that has improved and you found a better diet and different things that you thought were always right. But do you think that diet and physical... Um, yeah, you know, the exercise and the training. Do you think that is a big key to unlocking the door to mental health or good mental health? Yes, but there was more to it because diet and exercise was always a part of my life. Like I always trained my ass off. I always micromanaged how I ate and different things. But uh, ironically enough, it was the man behind my training and diet that helped me so much get on the right path, maybe mentally as along with physically. So the diet itself, I don't know how to explain this without sounding insane, but <laughs> my diet before uh, where I looked really good was a diet. Like I'm depleting myself. I'm taking yeah. things away. I'm not eating uh, for activity. I started working with, uh, his name's AJ Sims. You can find him on Instagram at Cement Factory. I started working with him and he works with like a lot of high level bodybuilders and stuff like that. And what he put me on, was more food than I've ever eaten. And I was like, what? Is, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. But by eating for right for the training and activity and like the bot, like I tr improved tremendously. Yeah. And then as a pandemic hit, like we were a client and a coach is all we were. And then uh, sent me a text message. He's like, Hey, I'm kind of building a little garage gym while this is going on. If you want to come by and work out, uh, you're more than welcome to. So I came by a couple days and got to know him a little bit. He's like, hey, do you want us to train together? And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I do. And then what I found was my long lost brother, really. And like a, a guy who's very like-minded with me. And like, we just started 
like bettering ourselves. And he's very uh, spiritual. He's very Christian and things like that. He has a lot of faith and uh, he's a very positive person and a very good person. And then that's realizing just surrounding yourself with the right people, how much that can improve your mental health and how much they can be there for you and guide you. And likewise, you're there for them. And I, we became open and honest real fast and being able to talk to him about anything in life along with kicking ass in the gym <laughs> and eating in abundance, but the right way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was definitely a, it, it turned around for a reason and that may have never happened if anything else prior to yeah. what happened happened. So you have to look at the positive of that. So being around the right person and that diet change and then just new purpose, like before leaving the WWE, I'm like, I'll show you a lot of my, drive and passion was based on revenge and angst and anger when on this time i it's not it's more self-improvement finding myself finding everything i speak about control freedom purpose these are real things i believe in and living that lifestyle and being able to be open and honest with fans uh i, just, I got an email today about somebody who I guess came out to their family and just like, you know, your words are inspiring this and that. And like, I, I did this and I did that. And I just wanted to thank you. And I'm like, Holy shit. <laughs> like, this is, I had no intention of that, but the fact that it's happening and realizing I do kind of have that voice that maybe people can resonate with, uh, there's a responsibility to it, but you have to practice what you preach. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I think you, you uh, perhaps you don't realize what an influential character you are, or what a uh, you know essential character you are. Use uh, use your use your, uh, your title there, but I think those sort of things. It's inspirational to people that you've gone on and used this control your narrative. You've come out of there. You've you've improved yourself, and you found it. And I think the importance of finding that support network, even though it's that one guy who's helping you out there, he's, he's your support. He's your shoulder. He's your brother, like you said, and that's that's enabled you to talk about things. It's enabled you to improve yourself inside and outside um and i think you having that we're talking about control your narrative you come out of that you come out and obviously there was loads of people at the same time fired as you but you really stood out you went out and you created those vignettes you created this whole story you created this new character um you had the western western world hanging on your every word really it was just great to see that from because you were so um it seemed like you've been quiet for so long. It seemed like you hadn't heard from you for so long. And all of a sudden you're everywhere and everyone's talking about you. Every website I'm on, you're talking about you. How did you come up with the, the new character and the vignettes and where did the controlling narrative come from? The, uh, yeah, the thing about like I was silent for so long is because I was hiding, you know, first off when you're with a company and one of my biggest pet fucking peeves is that people will like take the so media and backhandedly complain or i'm not being used like they, there's a lot of complaining and stuff like that and i have nothing good to say i don't need the validation of fans who know and i don't yeah. need to sound like a whiny bitch to fans that don't know so it was just like the best course of action at the time seemed silent because i'm not happy and i have nothing really to say but uh yeah creating that character is actually an idea i had back in the nxt days it's evolved in a sense because it became a reality but I've had the idea for it for a long time. And before I was called up, I made an initial pitch about it. And uh, instead they're like, no, we're going to call you up instead. Uh, All right. Cool. You know, I'm concussed, right? It's fine. Okay. Well, shit. Uh, 
And then <clears throat> obviously the main run roster didn't go well. And then I suffered the other concussion and I'm like, well, here's another opportunity to bring back this idea, but it's kind of expanded a little bit just based on what I've been through. And I made another huge attempt to make it happen. And I did like, I mean, shooting the vignettes, the pitch while I'm out waiting to come back. Uh, I'm cleared and then I'm fired. So it never happened. And, uh, the first thing I did was release the initial pitch vignette I shot where I have the shaved dome and I go off on this little rant about these things. And it was pretty well received. And knowing that I was unable to speak for so long, just just to prove it to myself, I was like, I could do a promo every week that's going to be better than anything people are going to see on TV. It won't be seen by the same audience, but just the fact that I can do it, I'm going to set up that challenge and do it. And then it kept expanding, expanding to where I'm like, oh man, I'm really doing something, but I need to pay off this because I have a countdown on my website, 90 days, what are we going to do? Yeah. Uh, a partner I work with on our creative ideas was like, we should do a match. And I'm like what do you mean? And it's, it's kind of in the vein of that cinematic style, but at the same time, I didn't want to do a cinematic match because I already thought it jumped the shark with special powers and teleportation yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. so I want to do something, something gritty and realistic. Like we are literally in a pandemic. Yeah. People literally can't go to shows. What would speak to, I don't know, men who feel like I do. And it's, it's kind of that fight club mentality. Yeah. Like, where we find, you know, a bond in competing against each other, but at the same time, we're competing against ourselves to better ourselves and wins and losses don't matter as much. So it's kind of a two pronged attack. One shoot wrestling in a different way, which I've always thought we shoot everything the exact same way. Let's try something different Two, I'm, I need a payoff for all the shit I've done. And three, I need a match to establish this character. And I know if I go back to impact or if I go to a different company based on the fact I'm kind of already have an established name that I might be thrown right into something with somebody on par. So I can't build the character from the ground up. Yeah. Like this is a whole new thing moves or about them presence in a ring. Like I need, I need, I need my squash match. So I invested, we created that. We filmed another one with moose. Yep. Kept it, kept it in the can, but then we went back to impact, yada, yada. But the control your narrative actually came from my partner, JC, and the, the saying resonated with me, but it was not in the context of what it became. The saying was, uh, you know, if you ever need to do interviews and stuff like that, you, you don't need to go to a the Jericho podcast or an awesome podcast or something per se. You have your own forum, like use your own means to yep. tell your story and i'm like yeah tell your story and then so, control your narrative yeah control yep. your narrative control your narrative is tell your story and that was the basis of it but it's yeah. so much more and so much more yeah it works so many so many things i think it's just brilliant i think the way that you've you've taken everything that's been handed to you and turned it into a positive and, and made something for yourself off your own back um you said about moose there as well that's a um that was really interesting to come back with him and have that sort of little bit of a a bit of a feud thing going on. What's what was Moose, Moose like to work with? Because he's he's really like 
come on in the last few years. I think I know his his yeah. contract's up reasonably soon. You know all the dirt sheets and all that nonsense. But I think it's big things for They'll him. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, he's been a close friend of mine for a long time. He still is. Uh, the thing with Impact is, I knew first off, I was never happy with the conclusion of EC3 and Impact. Yeah. Secondly, I also knew I've already done that, so I'm not. I, I need to do something completely different. Yeah. So going back there, when they contacted me, they wanted what I was doing. They didn't want to bring back Dixie's nephew, so to speak. Yeah. They liked the new interesting character dynamic, and I kind of came up with. Yeah. Uh, Moose is a guy who I think in wrestling we've lost sight on legitimate, tough people that mm. can, you know, can go. Yeah. F you up like a guy <laughs> that like, I would not want to fight in real life. <laughs> and I've always like Moose, he has a, such potential and I always saw it, but I think he's always misguided by things like this is what he thinks what people want to see or he thinks this is what the office wants to see. Yeah. And when he was, he actually came to me. He's like, Hey man, can I come do a promo in your place where you do them? I have this idea. I'm like, of course. And I helped produce it in a sense. And he was talking about when impact announced somebody was coming back, who was it going to be? And it never was going to be me. It wound up being what five guys, but who is it going to be? And he started going off on a couple names and there was like this basic eh, wrestling yeah. one-on-one kind of promo. But then he started talking about me. And like something switched in him and he was like real and he was gritty and I felt emotion. And I'm like, God, if I can, I know I can do it with myself, but if I can bring Bring something out of other people, maybe that's a gift that's gone away because wrestling is very narcissistic and it's me, me, me. I want to do my moves. I want to do my stuff. Like maybe I can give somebody else something and bring them to another level. So that's kind of the mission with Moose. And uh, I think I did that with Impact. Like that was my intention. I wanted to the character so proverbially to die on his shield, but not at the. Exp- he needed to go out his way. Yeah. He needed somebody to take him out properly, and yeah. then I he chose Moose just to bring him to another level to make him be able to control his narrative, and in the process eliminate me from that history. So I didn't have full creative on it, but a decent amount and. Uh, I think the story served his purpose and hopefully set him up. And now he's changed his life. Like he's in the best shape he's ever been. Yeah. He's fully dedicated to stuff like that. And uh, I don't want to say he would directly attribute me to it, but he knows uh, I'm a big influence. And two, now that I'm looking at it, what I'm doing with control your narrative, EC3, the narrative, it's almost become the person behind it doesn't matter. It's the idea behind it. Yeah. So if I could slowly incept different people to take on these traits and fans know, Oh, he went through UC three and now he's a changed man. And I sort of have like spread my message to different aspects of wrestling. Maybe it's a story only a few people understand or know, but the fact I'm doing it is pretty cool. And then if somebody impacts kind of just harkens back to what I'm saying, like, I've infected the business. Maybe somebody yeah. in AEW is doing it, maybe Ring of Honor. And it's just, maybe there's indies and I'm working with some independent wrestlers who want to break. Maybe they're spreading the message and it's just like kind of become its own entity. The idea lives not just within me, but in a lot of other people. 
That's real deep, huh? That is real deep, real deep. I like it. I bet, and perhaps that's something that you look forward to, you know, in the future being this like inspirational mentor of the of the industry that's bringing people up and taking snapping people out of this sort of days that is created and what they think they have to say and do and making them more about, you know, drawing from their own emotions. That's where we get, that's where this telling your story rather than telling a story is so important. I think perhaps that's I a think, role for you as a mentor in, in, in the industry. If we could have a, yeah. we, I mean, we could, we could do with a few more EC frees, especially on, on the mic, getting out some decent promos where people actually feel it and connect with it. You know, I think what's missing in wrestling right now, like the athleticism is the best it's ever been. There's no doubt about oh, yeah. it. But what we're missing is emotion, moments. And I'm not saying reality like we're a reality show, but reality like the reality behind the people is so interesting to me because I've met so many interesting people with so many dynamic stories yeah. that if fans truly knew like a tenth yeah. of what brought them there and what they've been through, like nothing changes as far as what you present on TV. But the fact the fans would know this makes them that much more intrigued by what they're doing and that much more emotionally invested. So there's a yeah. lot to do. And then like we did the cinematic match with Moose the same day I did the other one with the premise of releasing it halfway through the feud, but then Impact wanted to do a cinematic match. So that's why I put together the narrative extended where it's both those matches, excuse me, matches. And it was sort of a demo for what I have in my mm-hmm. idea box of what's going to come next, which hopefully... Yeah should be right around WrestleMania time. So I'm going to keep Brilliant. it under cheek, but like I'm planning a full expanding of everything we're doing and it might suck. It might be awesome and change the industry. It might be incredible. Yeah. But the fact, and I think a lot of people are afraid to do this, but the fact you put yourself out there and do something, no matter what happens, you're proud of the fact and everyone should take this home. Just do something. Do something with whatever talents or skills you have, whether it's the worst thing or it's the best thing. The fact you put it out there, you'll be so much more satisfied with yourself. Oh, yeah, totally. I always think the the saying, you don't have to be great to start, but you do have to start to be great, is a a great saying because, you know... everyone starts somewhere and if you don't do anything they're never going to know um and i think you know you're doing some great stuff at the moment you're working with ring of honor uh all the rest of it. but is there anything what, what's coming up for you what was there you know what what's next for you and is there anyone you'd like to work a program with that you haven't yet is someone out there I, as far as ring of honor is concerned what i've enjoyed about working with them is they allow me to control my narrative yeah and uh unfortunately i was really looking forward to working that match with uh Jay Briscoe, because that's just another guy who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. And also at the same time, I know by, like, he's a great wrestler, but I know by being, like, adding a insane, devious psychological aspect to a feud with him, that he can come out of it a a different man. And uh, COVID kind of unfortunately put a halt to our match at Final Battle, but I assure you that match will happen because... Good. When I set my mind to do something, uh, I'm going to do it. So when that happens, to be determined, but stay tuned for that. I'm pretty sure there'll be some banger promos coming up on that. Like I said, uh, the narrative itself, I'm planning a entire feature. Um, I have no idea how I'm going to pull it off. <laughs> or my, my partner and I, excuse me, I want to make sure he gets his credit, Jedediah. Uh, how we're going to pull it off, but we're going to give it a shot. And then hopefully we can get that into the world around the time of WrestleMania. Uh, and what I really want to do is expand on a lot of people's stories. 
I want to take five or six people, some you know, some you don't. Yeah. And within an hour, I want to prove that creative and wrestling, I don't want to say it's not hard, but I can make people care about five or six people in under an hour and be emotionally invested in them as opposed to whatever we see with products today that is, I, I don't know, it's, some storytelling's adequate at best. And yeah. that's not good enough for me. So I'm going to try it. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And that's it. That's uh, all we'll we can see. do is try, isn't it? That's all we yeah. can do. Because all we can do is try. And I just, yeah, just before I finish up your hair, well, I mean, for someone who's been through it all, been there, done it, got the, got the T-shirt, come out the other side, got another T-shirt with a different brand, and then, you know, taking their own T-shirt and stuck it on pro, uh, pro wrestling tees. For someone who's self-made and done that, what kind of, if you give one bit of advice to another man out there who's like struggling or doesn't know who to talk to or doesn't want to do, what would it be? That's tough because even though we were on the same page three years ago talking about it, it took me two and a half to three years to actually do it, you know? Uh, one thing is, Start today on anything you ever want to do. It's not necessarily a strictly a mental health thing or anything as much as it's if you have a goal, a vision, a meaning, a purpose, just just start. Stop wait, stop wasting time. Stop treading water. Do something. Uh, as far as that mental aspects, I mean, don't. Ironically enough, I was in a barbershop a week ago. What's coming next? I. I have a piece of work and art coming out from a barbershop that I think you'll appreciate because it's such an awesome lifestyle. And I meant to talk about this more with you, but hopefully that's on my socials in 10 days or so. But uh, we were after I filmed this thing with a couple guys, like I'm getting to know the barbers and we're just talking and what went from like glad handing bro conversation became kind of depth and life. And I'm like, this is what this shit's all about. This is a barbershop. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is where men could be men and talk about things. And your book proved it so much, I th think. Like, the barber is the therapist. Uh, yeah. So, I guess my second piece of advice is find a great barber that you could talk to. <laughs> great advice. Uh, Tom, great advice. Yeah, Tom would be a good one. <laughs> but uh, don't be afraid to be yourself. Don't be afraid to feel. Don't be afraid to act. Don't be afraid to think. And don't be afraid to speak. Amazing. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's, that's the narrative. Amazing. That's me. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, do you know what? It's perfect. I've just finished up your hair. I'll just get a mirror and show you the back. What do you think? How's that looking? What is that? <laughs> yeah. oh, well. no, no. Sorry. It looks perfect. <laughs> Thank you ever so much. Tight, man. Skin paint is tight. It's been great to see you, man. It's been a long time. Hopefully I'll get to see you in the real world very soon. Um, and just before we head out, I'm going to leave you with Rick, who's going to take care of your bill and book you in for next time. Oh. And we'll see oh. you soon. Is that complimentary? There you go, <laughs> Mark. Right. What do you think, Mark? A couple of hundred bucks for that? <laughs> is that American or is that... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, US, yeah. <laughs> ah, you know what? I'm rich, whatever. <laughs> Thank you so much for visiting my virtual barbershop today and I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you enjoy your haircut too. If you or anyone you know is struggling with their mental health, please take a look at the fabulous hubofhope.co.uk for all the resources in your area. 
I'm already looking forward to your next visit, but in between cuts, I would appreciate it if you could help Barber Talk Podcast out massively and give this podcast a review and five stars on iTunes to help the podcast get more visibility. Also, don't forget to subscribe and follow so you are the first to hear the conversations from the Barber Chair. Oh yeah, and don't forget to book him with Rick for your next appointment. Miss you already. See you in the chair soon. Thank you.